praise God, the name of this message is Stain on Fire for Jesus. How many of you want to be on fire for Jesus and you want to stay on fire? Why would you be here if that wasn't the case, amen? And some of you are saying, but I, how do I stay on fire? I'm not even on fire right now. Well, just pay attention because it's also how to catch fire, you know? How to catch fire for Jesus uh, and, and to stay on fire once you've caught fire. And it's important that we understand that there's so many people out there today who do, as the Bible predicts, have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. There's so many people out there who are the first soil in the four soils that Jesus talked about. He said the Son of Man is the sower of the seed, and these soils represented different hearts. And, you know, the, the patch of soil that represents one heart received the, the, the seed with the word with great joy. Remember that? It's a lot of excitement. There was great joy, but fell away. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of people who have mountaintop experiences with the Lord, and they're all excited. They go to a woman's retreat or a men's retreat, and they get all excited about the Lord, and they're like, man, praise God. I can't believe how awesome God is. And then it's like, well, what happened once they got down the mountain? You know, it's really, really heartbreaking. That's a lot of people. There's people in this, that were in this fellowship for years even that don't even darken the door anymore with their presence. Uh, that's of any church that's been around for some time. And uh, praise God, there's a ton of people that are, have been in this fellowship that are still connected to our fellowship through live streams in other states and other places, which is great, or still connected with us in some way, or uh, moved or whatever and found another fellowship and just are burning bright for Jesus. That's exciting. We want to make sure that's true of each and every one of us. Amen. You know, we don't want that, that, that you know, that, that, Christianity is like a, that piece of gum that you kind of pull and it gets stretched, but then it kind of goes back, stretches back together. Or I should say unstretches, if, if that's a word. We want to be Christians that stay on fire, amen, and, and love the Lord and not burn out. You know, I'd read something years ago or that the average life of a pastor at a church is two years. And I was like so sad to hear that. And I was like, man, you know, take heed when you stand lest you fall. But that's crazy. Because a lot of pastors burn out. They don't stay on fire. Or they just go through too much and maybe they do it in their own strength or what have you. Or they go through very severe trials. It could happen to anyone. So I'm aware that could happen to myself. And so I pray and I don't have an attitude where, oh, I got it made. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. But I want to be on fire to the day I die. And one of the things that you see in Scripture that's very sad is you see many righteous kings at times who become bad kings at the end. You see men of God like King Asa and several of them through Scripture who actually have a good start but a bad ending. And we want to stay on fire for the Lord. And you want to be on fire for Jesus. Amen? You want to be shining. In Romans 12, 11, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Uh, another translation, the International Standard Version says, Never be lazy in showing such devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. We're commanded to have spiritual fervor. We're commanded to be on fire for Jesus. And tragically, uh, a lot of people don't even, you know, when you meet a lot of people, they claim to be Christians, but they're Christians often in name only or nominally. And when you talk about being on fire for the Lord, that's like speaking a foreign language to them. It's like Chinese. It's like, well, what, what does that mean? You know? And there's not an excitement about Jesus and 
who he is and what he's done and what he's going to continue to do and about his kingdom, which is coming. Amen. There's not excitement about the light of his word, the power of his spirit, missions, you know, what he's doing in the world and what he's doing in our lives. And, and those things should be taking place in our lives. We need to have a fire for Jesus. We ought to have a fire for the Lord. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Collectively, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.22 that the church is the habitation of the Spirit. The Bible says that we also individually are temples of the Holy Spirit and that we are living stones that make up the Lord's temple. Amen? And the temple was to continually have a, you know, lights burning in it. Remember the seven, seven-pronged candlesticks? You know, we're supposed to have Jesus lit in us as the church. And I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm taking you here because this is at the end of a man's life whose fire is still burning. The Apostle Paul. He wrote 2 Timothy He's in chains, as he mentions even in this epistle. His death is impending, and he writes about that in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. That's that glorious passage where he talked about how he'd fought the good fight, right? He kept the faith, you know, he finished his course, and therefore there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but not only for me, but also for those who love his appearing. And he was preparing to die. But even though he's preparing to die in 2 Timothy Paul still has this incredible fire for the Lord. In fact, Paul's the one that commanded in, in Romans 12, 11, never be lazy in showing such devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. He commanded others, or the Lord did through him, to be on fire for the Lord. He walked his talk. And at, as his life is ending, he's not complaining, whining, how come I'm in this state? I can't believe I'm going to die. Look how I've served you, Lord. No, he's excited about the Lord still. And he's encouraging Timothy his son in the faith. He calls him his true son in the faith. He encourages him to be on fire for the Lord. And we can learn because all scripture is written for our benefit. Amen. And we're intended to read these letters, including the pastoral epistles, First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus, and understand what the will of the Lord is. So in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, I thank God. That's one way you stay on fire for the Lord. You give thanks to the Lord, man. You keep a heart of gratitude. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you. He's in prison, keep in mind. Even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind, look, look at this. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh, to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul was an apostle. and He was given the gift to impart spiritual gifts to others by the power of the Holy Spirit. Timothy was a young pastor slash evangelist who uh, was ministering with Paul. And Paul's encouraging him to stay fired up for Jesus. In fact, the NIV's translation of the verse that I mentioned, which talks about, you know, kindling afresh there in verse six, is, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame 
the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And every single Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And God wants our gifts to be used and he wants them to be fanned into flame to where we're being used and we're lit up for God doing his will. And it's imperative that we understand that that's something that we can kindle. What God's done in us, what he's given in us can be kindled or it can be stifled. It can be quenched. And the things the Lord wants to do with us can be quenched. And each and every one of us should desire to be used by God, amen? Because we've, are, we've all been given gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit. We read about them in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 4, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4. Various gifts, whether it's service or, or mercy or governments or, you know, uh, encouragement, you know, discernment of spirits and so forth, uh, prophetic gifts, and there's different administration of those gifts. So these different gifts have different administrations because God uses people differently, even as you have Peter, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Andrew, you know, he uses them, them differently. And he wants us to fan these gifts into flame. And it's interesting, how does Paul stay on fire? At the end of his life, how is he so on fire encouraging Timothy? Now, Paul's definitely on fire. He's ready to give his life for the Lord, amen? And he has a, a true love in his heart. And Paul said, the goal of our instruction in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 to Timothy, he says, is love from a pure heart, you know? He said, it's a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul had love from a pure heart. He, he had a sincere faith. He was authentic. He was a genuine person. He had a good conscience. If there was something between him and somebody else and uh, he'd hurt someone, he would, he would make it right, you know. If people had done things against him, he was quick to forgive. You see that in this epistle more than once, actually. Quite remarkable. But one of the reasons I believe Paul was so on fire, and, and when I was talking, I was thinking, I was praying, I've done messages that I've worked on, I've written about being on fire for the Lord, and I made sure I just didn't want to consult my, uh, any messages I had done on this before or written because I've written a lot that I never preached on it. So today, I just worked for hours and hours on this without looking at my old documents because I just wanted to be so fresh. And, and it's funny because when I was done with it, sometimes I'll do that and when I get done with the message and I'll go and look at my old one later and it's very similar. It's like, wow, I said so many of the same things, you know? It's kind of a trip how that works, you know? But this time it was so different because I stayed focused on 2 Timothy chapter 1 to a great degree and launched from that for this message to where we're looking at Paul, who's on fire for the Lord, ready to give his life for the Lord and encouraging Timothy to be on fire for the Lord. Amen? And I wanted to say, what's he saying to Timothy? And I didn't want to go through all of 2 Timothy because I want to go to a whole lot of other scriptures on this subject as well that relate to some of the things we see from the get-go right after he tells him to fan the flames. And in the Greek, it literally means to, you know, fan some flames, to kindle a fire, you know? And the whole, God is the one who's sovereign, amen? But we do have a, a responsibility and a place to respond to his commands and his directives so we can be on fire. You're just not automatically going to be on fire. You have to respond to the Lord's grace. Now, it's interesting. Look what Paul says in verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. I thank my God whom I serve with a clear conscience uh, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers, 
night and what? Day. Being a fire for the Lord means it's important to be a person of prayer, to be a prayer warrior. I praise God that most times before I preach, there's brothers or sisters or brothers and sisters praying before the service, praying before I preach. I pray before I preach numerous times, typically uh, throughout the day. Uh, my wife and I probably prayed, I don't know, three or four or five times today together, you know, and I'm you know, because we cross each other while we're working and, and so forth and something comes up, somebody has a need or, or, you know, there could be a nuclear war, right, with Putin, you know, invading the night. They're saying that's when the big invasion is supposed to take place. So we prayed about that. Uh, you know, we, we prayed for people and so forth. And then I'm praying for you guys. We're praying for you guys. You know, we love you guys. You're our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we need to be people of prayer. Amen? Because when we spend time with the Lord, right, and we spend time seeking him and get close to him, that's where the fire is. It's not called to be on fire because it's just fire. No, the Lord, God, is a consuming fire. Amen? Because it's about being close to him and allowing him to live in us and through us. Amen? So it's spending time in prayer is very, very important when it comes to being on fire for the Lord and relying on his power. You know, fire needs oxygen, Fire needs oxygen uh, to exist, you know. And uh, it's interesting because the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is referred to as rock, which refers also to breath or wind. And in the New Testament, the word spirit for Holy Spirit is pneuma. And that's yeah, very similar to rock. And pneuma is spirit, but also means breath or wind. Amen. Well, as we cry out to God and seek him, we stoke the, we basically stoke the, we bring in the oxygen, you know. We're crying out to God and we're relying on the Lord and we're letting the Lord know we have no power, we need him and he works by the power of his Holy Spirit and he energizes us and that's where the fire comes. In fact, in Jude, verse 20, it says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Listen to this. How do you build yourself up in your holy faith? How do you build that fire, so to speak? But you, beloved, Jude, verse 20, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Some of my Pentecostal brothers and sisters will tell you that means speaking in tongues. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, we do believe in the gift of tongues. You know, we're not cessationists either. We believe God can do whatever he wants. You know? And the Bible says don't forbid speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14. So we're not going to go into the scripture at all. Uh, we encourage people to seek the Lord regarding spiritual gifts and crowd to be used by him, but not to do things out of order. And God's not a God of confusion. Amen. But it's interesting. This isn't tongues right here when it's because they think because first Corinthians 14 mentions praying in the spirit, you know, and in reference to tongues. But Paul says also that do ever, does everyone have the gift of tongues? Does everybody speak in tongues? The end of first Corinthians 12. It's a rhetorical question that demands a what? No. no. He says, are all apostles? No. Do I speak with tongues? No. You know, so you couldn't obey this command in Jude 20. I say 20 because there's really just no chapter, but we can sometimes say chapter 1, verse 20, or just 20. Uh, he commands us to build ourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. What's praying in the Holy Spirit? It's praying according to the will of the Lord. Amen. That's why sometimes 
I'll read scripture and I'll pray the scripture. Whenever I see an imperative, a command, you know, I say, Lord, please do that in my life. Please do that in my brothers and sisters' lives, Lord. Lord, I pray this for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray this for my children. I pray this for my, my, my wife and myself. My, you know, you pray the scripture. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be looking at the scripture to pray in the Holy Spirit because we know so often, you guys know the will of the Lord, right? So you pray according to his will. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit inspires scripture. The Holy Spirit's called the spirit of truth. Amen? It's God breathed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we're praying in accordance with the spirit. And the Bible says whenever we ask according to his will, we have it. Amen? So we pray according to his will and we pray in the Holy Spirit. And that's one way we uh, catch fire and stay on fire. We also pray for the lost. This passage, I was just talking to a brother. Uh, I mentioned this Sunday briefly, but uh, he was saying, Joe caught me and he was talking, I have a discussion with someone else. He goes, I really have a hard time praying for President Biden, you know, because he's just so bad. And I, you know, wasn't able to say to him, oh, it's easy for me, you know. I pray for him all day and night. No, I couldn't say that, you know. I wish I could say I did that because I can't, you know. Do I pray for him? Yeah, off and on I do. And this has been a hard prayer to pray for presidents at time. But because it's a hard prayer to pray, because people are so wicked, should mean we need to pray, pray all the more for them. Amen. So I found myself through the years praying according to 1 Corinthians or 1 Timothy chapter 2 more than in my earlier parts of my walk. Because my prayer life would focus on certain things. And the Lord convicted me to pray for leaders and not just leaders that I, you know, think are good. But keep in mind, look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, verse 1, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants what? All people to be saved and to be, come to the knowledge of the truth, the epigenosis. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Now Paul, who's writing this to Timothy, then will write 2 Timothy, will eventually be killed by Nero. Okay? Uh, According to the church history, he was beheaded by Nero. A very, very wicked, perverse king. I mean, I won't take the time to get into it in depth, but he was so perverse. He married a little boy that he castrated, okay? You know? Uh, but guess what? Paul's saying pray for that guy, right? And not just, well, why pray for these people? Because God wills that all would be saved, come to knowledge of the truth. Because Jesus gave himself a ransom for all. Because the atonement's not limited. Because God's heart is incredibly rich in mercy. And his mercy is over all his works. He offers his mercy to all his works. But God gives grace to the humble. If they don't humble themselves, they won't receive his grace. So we need to pray for them that they bend the knee to the Lord. Amen. But he also contextually here talks about how we, we pray because we want to be able to have peace so we can share the gospel, amen? It can be hard to share the gospel if you're hiding in the woods, right? 
because of mass persecution. And if there's war that's going on and people are, in our day, you know, trying to not be nuked to death, it's kind of hard to share the gospel too. And right now, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with this current conflict where the Biden administration just mentioned today uh, that tonight is going to be the main invasion, supposedly, from Ukraine. Or, I'm sorry, from Russia into Ukraine. They've already gone into what they call the separatist areas, which are provinces above Crimea. And, they, and they've, they've already invaded those areas. And there's been at least some death. I don't know how much. But now there's a concern that they're going to just, they supposedly brought a lot of blood with them in case they get, suffer a lot of wounded people. Uh, and they have a kill list of different leaders and so forth in Ukraine. And we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves, amen? So we should be praying for the Ukrainian people. But we should also be praying for these leaders to make the right decisions. I pray for Biden because I'm really concerned that he won't make the right decision. Okay, I mean, uh, you know, we could make a couple jokes right now, right? But I'm not going to because it was such a, such a serious thing. Uh, we need to be in prayer for these guys, amen? Pray they get right with God. Pray they don't make foolish decisions. Pray they don't end us up in World War III. And uh, you know what? God answers prayers. You have not because you ask not. Go through Scripture. You see from <laughs> Genesis to Revelation, you see prayers being answered. And how things may have been different at different times in history if God's people had prayed, amen? And had it refused to pray because of laziness, because of a lack of empathy or even sympathy, uh, because of busyness, because of pleasures that take so much of our time at times. We need to be people of prayer, amen? And that's one way we stand fire with, for the Lord. And we need to be praying that we'd go out, that God would send out laborers in the harvest field, amen? Are you praying that? Do you pray that God would send out laborers? Do you have a compassion for the lost? If we have a fire for the Lord, we concern, we're concerned about the lost. We recognize that we were once lost, and then we were found, and we want other people to experience that grace. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, these famous words, says Jesus was going through the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues, this is 935 through 38, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion on them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then listen to verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? They're few. Therefore, seek or cry out to or beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Or into the harvest, amen? We're supposed to be crying out to God that he'd send out workers into the harvest field. And sadly, because I don't think this prayer has been prayed enough, the workers are still few right now compared to what they could be, amen? So are you, that's one thing we should be praying for. God, help these leaders make right decisions. We know where the world's gonna end up, but that doesn't mean a lot of people can get saved on the way there. And King Jesus is coming, Amen. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of Christ. So we cry out to him, but at the same time, we recognize that the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, we preach in all the worlds, to all the nations, then what? Then the end will come. We have a job to do. We're given the great commission. So we pray that he would send out laborers. 
and we seek to be single-minded and focused on him and his kingdom and people of prayer. In fact, uh, I personally believe that one of the main things that needs to happen in your life to be on fire for the Lord is prayer. I mean, it's something that you need to be involved in on a, not a daily basis, but the Bible commands us to pray without ceasing. Now, nobody's going to be perfect here and at the end of your life. going to be able to say, oh, that person prayed without ceasing and never stopped praying. You know, I don't think that's probably going to happen. But you say, well, that's a goal, but we could never do that. No, you can do that, at least for a time, because I read in the book of Acts that they prayed without ceasing. What about when you're asleep? No, it just means you have a continual attitude of prayer. It doesn't mean you're praying every second, you know, love you, Jesus, you know. But it does mean you're waking up in the morning, you're saying, Lord, help me, help me serve you. You're wake, first thing you're doing is crying out, saying, Lord, you know, I like to start in the morning with the Lord's Prayer. I like to go to bed with that. I like to pray that during the day. I like to pray parts of that at different times in my life where it fits. You know, give us this day our daily bread, Lord. Your kingdom come, Lord. Things are messed up. Sometimes you just pray parts of that prayer, you know. Lead us not a temptation, Lord. Deliver us from evil, you know. Forgive us our sins, Father, as we forgive those who sin against us. And it's a model of prayer. And, though, and it covers all the basic stuff. It's a beautiful prayer. And you should become familiar with that there in Matthew chapter 6. So uh, we need to be people of prayer and we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we pray in the Spirit and we cry out to God, we empty ourselves of self and we end up being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus said, go forth, you know, preaching repentance for the mission of sins. And he says, and you will be endued with power from on high in Luke 24. The Holy Spirit will empower you to preach this gospel. So we're praying for him to send out labors in the harvest field. His Holy Spirit, you know, is going to empower believers to preach the gospel. I don't want to just pray that prayer, Lord, send out labors in the harvest field. I want to be an answer to that prayer. I want to be the answer, and I, I think we should all pray, Lord, send me, you know, and be an answer to that prayer. I want to be, I want a message that I've preached or something I've shared to, to get in the hands of the lost people. I want a mother who has lost children, her kids to hear the gospel and all of a sudden find out they got saved in some way. And I'm just one guy, but together, millions of Christians, we could sure do a lot of good for the kingdom, amen? Acts chapter one, verse eight, just before the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. That's just amazing to me. That's amazing to me. You'll be empowered. And then the Holy Spirit came upon them like a rushing wind. You remember? And there were cloven tongues of fire that sat on their heads. They were on fire for Jesus. Not because they had fire in of themselves, but because the Lord is willing to use us. Amen? And he wants to use you. These are people just like you and I. They, we're not saved by what we're doing enough, right? We don't merit our salvation. We don't earn our salvation. We're saved by what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? We turn to him in faith, right? A genuine, active, living faith where we put our trust in Jesus. We receive the gift of salvation. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers us and he uses us. And we're the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. We're the church of the living God. And he wants us to be fired up and on fire. In fact, and that was an answer to Jesus' declaration in Matthew 3.11 where Jesus says, I, I, I'm sorry, where John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Wow. God wants us to be on fire. Remember the ten virgins? They fell asleep. Then they woke up. And five of them still had what? Oil. And the oil in the Bible is a picture of who? The Holy Spirit. We don't have time to ferret all that out because I won't be able to get through my message. But we've talked about that and studied that before. Is the lamps are God's word. Your word is a what? They had lamps. Is a word as a lamp. Your, your word is a lamp. Is a light to my feet, right? Okay. His word, right? It's a lamp, right? It's to our feet. It's a light to our path. But a lot of people have lamps. They have their Bibles. But there's no light in the lamp. The light's there, but they don't open it up. They don't let it shine. They're not seeking God. They don't have the Spirit of God. And it's important that we recognize that it's when you put your trust in Jesus that you receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? Every genuine believer has the Holy Spirit. If you're trusting Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. I never, I don't feel him. It's not about a feeling, amen? Feelings can come, but we walk by faith, not by what? Sight. We trust the Lord for what he says. And, but we can pray. Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 that we, the church, the church at Ephesus there, would be filled with the fullness of God's spirit. So we could pray, Lord, fill me with your spirit more. Jesus said, you fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. If your child asks you for a piece of bread or a piece of fish, you're not giving him a rock or a scorpion. And he said, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Wow. Now, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. But you know what I ask? Father, fill me more with your spirit all the time. Because it's his will that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. If we ask anything according to his will, we what? Have it. Amen? Now, I don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You will never hear me talking to the Holy Spirit. I don't see that in Scripture. It's very popular in the charismania that's going on right now to talk to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and oh, I'm not I'm really into Jesus so much. I'm, I'm not really in the Father. I just, I like to talk to the Holy Spirit. Show me in Scripture where you're supposed to be doing that. Amen? So we talk to the Father in the name of Jesus. I can show you prayers to Jesus. I have no problem with that. I pray to the Father and sometimes I pray to Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus at the end of Revelation. Amen? And we see Paul and other places in Scripture where Jesus is prayed to at times. But it's more normative to pray to the Father and that's how I normally will pray. And it's interesting because we want to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? The light of God's glory in the temple in the Old Testament, was a result of the oil, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, amen? And that light lit up the temple, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we want to be on fire for the Lord. And we're his lamps. In fact, it says in Matthew 6, 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of dark, will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or he'll love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. In Luke chapter 17, I think it's verse 34, 
Jesus said to keep your, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps burning. Amen? We want to keep our lamps burning for Jesus. Don't let them go out. Refuse. This life is very, very short. It's over pretty quick compared to eternity, right? Just stay with Jesus, man. Just stay with Jesus and you'll be happy then. You won't regret it. Then in your life you won't say, ah, oh, it's kind of a bummer. I, I just followed Jesus at the end of my life. No one would ever say that. But a ton of people will be weeping and gnashing their teeth. Now, it's imperative then that we understand the beauty and the power that's involved in being filled with the Holy Spirit. One way that we stay, that we catch fire or we stay on fire for Jesus and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Another thing, if you're taking notes or just to write down your heart, is to be a person of praise and worship. Be a person of praise and worship, amen? Because when we seek the Lord and we praise him and we worship him, that's a form of prayer, amen? The word praise is related to prayer. It's adoring our Father. And if you look at the praise in the Old Testament, look at the praise book of Psalms, it often comes in the context of not only adoration of the Lord, but prayer, amen, and crying out to him. You know, we sing the Psalms, right? A lot of them are songs of praise, but we also sing, you know, creating me a clean heart, right? Renew a right spirit within me. Take not the Holy Spirit from me, amen? We, we pray through praise and we're filled with the Holy Spirit through praise and worship as we surrender to the Lord. You want to be on fire for the Lord? Be a person of thanksgiving. Be a person of praise. In fact, listen to what Paul says when he commands the church at Ephesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And do not get drunk with wine. Wine will quench the Holy Spirit. Alcohol. Getting drunk. Not talking about a, a few drops of wine or a very small amount, but getting drunk will quench the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation. That leads to looseness, lasciviousness, debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Well, how do I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Wow, I love that, man. How can I be filled with the Lord and his spirit? How can I be in fire for Jesus? One thing is not just prayer, but also what? Praise, man. And have a song in your heart to the Lord. It's hard to sing to the Lord when you have Black Sabbath blaring or Eminem or Zeppelin. That's incongruent with a Christian life. The Bible says his praises are supposed to be continually on our lips. That doesn't leave me a lot of time for the wicked music of the world. Amen. So he encourages them to be, he commands them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled there can be translated controlled. It's used of a sail being filled with air to bring in a, a ship or a boat across the water. We need the strength of the Spirit in our lives, amen, to fulfill God's will for our lives. In fact, I love it, you know, because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting, he says, to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? And sing them, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Well, guess what? In the Old Testament, I love it. Do you remember what happened when Solomon dedicated the temple? Do you remember what happened? They were singing praises to God. And what happened? Do you remember? The glory of God, just this thick, beautiful, like, looked like smoke, filled the temple. And it was so powerful, the kebab, the, the heaviness of God. 
so filled the temple that they couldn't even stand, that they fell on their faces before God and worshiped because it was so powerful. That's powerful. So they, the physical temple was filled up with the Holy Spirit as they praised God. That's a picture of what? Us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit now, amen? So as we praise him and sing worship songs to him, we get what? Fill the Holy Spirit. Why do you think Satan is so into music down here? He's fallen. He was a worship leader in heaven. I know that because he was a cherub, it tells us in Ezekiel 28. And he profaned his sanctuaries. He was made with tabrets within himself, percussion instruments. And we look at Revelation chapter 4 and the worship, and then chapter 5, and it's the cherubim that begin the worship that starts with them and then goes throughout all of heaven. Eventually, it's a crescendo that reaches throughout all of creation. But it starts with the cherubim. And Satan, I mean, watch our video we just got done. They sold their souls for the Super Bowl. Oh, they sold their souls a long time ago. We know that. We've been exposing it for years, okay? But that's a little perk they get, right? And we show one artist after another that's up there. It's a 17-minute video. It's already got, I don't know, over a quarter million views. And it's very compelling. And there's really some really neat praise reports because, you know, one person said, you know, there's people like praying for salvation on there. There's one person that said, you know what? I just bought liquor today. I was going to drink it. And then I saw this video, and I poured it out, you know? And that's beautiful. Don't be drunk with wine, right? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, that, and wicked music goes along with wicked living. It's hard to get drunk and be listening to praise music, I suppose. I don't know, I don't get drunk, but I, I can't, or smoking pot and reading the word and praising God. It doesn't seem like, because I used to do those things before I knew Jesus, Okay? But praise, singing praises and praying and reading his word, that all goes together really well, doesn't it? Amen. I love what Paul's doing in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 31. Him and Silas at midnight, they're praising God, singing praise songs. And what happens? God brings an earthquake, right? <laughs> Opens up the jail cells, man. They come out. The, jail, the, the jailer's going to kill himself because he's dead meat anyway. They don't harm yourself. They, How must I be saved? You know? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved. Amen. Then Paul preached the gospel to his household too. And it's amazing because the guy knew he needed to be saved. He knew they were saved. He knew they had the message. Well, he probably might have been wondering about it, but as soon as he felt the earthquake and all of a sudden they're walking out, he's like, what? You know? But uh, be a person of praise, man. And God will break through in your life, and he'll break into other lives as people witness Christ in you, the hope of glory, amen? Now, it's interesting because think about this. This is something that I want you to put together in your mind because I think it'll be a breakthrough for you. It really blessed me when I first saw this. I was like, wow, Lord, that's powerful. To help us understand how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to be on fire for God. In Ephesians 5, when he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says what? Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I think what we do is when we begin to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we're responding to the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that's the fruit of having the Holy Spirit. But as we sing and praise Him, we open ourselves up to more and more usage of the Holy Spirit, our vocal cords, our voices, our, the surrender of our heart, and we grow in our sanctification and usefulness to the Lord. It's beautiful. But that has to do, and it's connected to being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's connected with praising the Lord. But guess what? There's another connection that you won't see maybe in those verses in Ephesians 5 because it's something similar but different. 
It's in the twin epistle. Follow this, the book of Colossians. Paul wrote the book of Colossians and Ephesians, the letter to Ephesus and the church of Colossae, around the same time in the same prison cell, and that's why they're very similar in certain ways. And they're very different in other ways. But he also tells them something about, you know, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And it's connected to being filled with the Holy Spirit, but he says something different, which shows me a connection between what he says and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell me what the difference is. This is Colossians 3, 15 and 17, through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now in the church at Ephesus, he said, what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? Remember? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. He doesn't say be filled with the Holy Spirit here. What does he say? Let what happen? Let the word, amen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because God inspired by his Holy Spirit, his word, the spirit of truth. And as I read and feed on his word, which is living, sharper than a two-edged sword, it says it's alive, amen? And it works effectually in the hearts of those who believe it. So as I read his living word, which is spirit breathed, and my heart is receptive to his word through faith, he works effectually in my heart by his Holy Spirit, amen? Amen. And as I read his word, I want to praise God. You find yourself praising God. You find yourself fearing God. You find yourself loving God more. You find yourself growing in knowledge of his grace and his goodness and his forgiveness. And you just fall in love with him more. And guess what? You seek him through his word and you are filled with his Holy Spirit. So get into his word. Okay? Get into his word. Stop grieving. You want to be filled with the Spirit? You want, you want to be on fire for the Lord? Stop grieving and stop quenching the Holy Spirit. One way we talked about that you grieve or quench the Holy Spirit is Ephesians 5.18 because the opposite of being filled says don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 just before that warns don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God it says. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says do not quench the Holy Spirit. So you want to make sure you're not grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit in your life. In fact, let's get some context here. When Paul says not to grieve the Holy Spirit, what's the context? What kind of behavior is he talking about in that context that would grieve the Holy Spirit and keep us from being filled with the Holy Spirit? God bless you. Let no unwholesome, this is verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, building up others, according to the need of the moment. So it means we're sensitive and we seek to build people up so that it will give peace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with, uh, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So that means if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I need to make sure I'm not grieving the Holy Spirit And if I have destructive speech and I'm mean-spirited and I use bad language, right? And I mean, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to hear you saying a bunch of four-letter words, right? He doesn't want you tearing people down and and speaking with bitterness and hatred and anger and malice. He doesn't want you to, when you refuse to forgive people and you're all angry and you don't recognize what Jesus has done for you and 
you just think it's all about you and you become your own little God and you're just ticked off at the world, well, of course, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. But if you recognize, man, I've been forgiven by God's grace. And he, in chapter 5, he goes on, which we didn't read, forgive one another as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus, it says. And it warns about other forms of wickedness. So we want to make sure we're not living wicked lives because then we'll grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you with me tonight? And when I just read that other verse, don't quench the Holy Spirit, that was Ephesians 4, don't grieve, but don't quench the Holy Spirit, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Let's look at the surrounding verses and we'll get a little bit more insight into what it means to quench the Holy Spirit so we don't do it. Verse 15 of chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So if I want to make sure I don't quench the Holy Spirit, right? If I'm not going to quench the Holy Spirit, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm not returning evil for evil. I'm going to make sure that I'm rejoicing the Lord. I'm praying without ceasing. I'm a person of thanksgiving. Amen. I'm not despising prophetic utterances. I, I, I love his word. I don't reject it and not like correction, but I want correction from the Lord. Amen. And we abstain from every appearance of evil. Because it, we're vessels. We're temples. We're the temple. But if you want to be used by the Lord, you get to choose what kind of vessel you're going to be. A vessel for honor or dishonor. Second Thessalonians, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some for honor and some for dishonor, right? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of these things, the context there is wickedness, which is mentioned in verse 19, and a false doctrine, which is mentioned with a couple false teachers in the verses before that. He says, if anyone cleanses himself of these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Amen. So it's imperative that we are vessels that are used by the Lord. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quote it here. I'm going to pass up this passage, but it's a really good one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14, through the end of the chapter there, and chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, What fellowship does light have with darkness, believers with unbelievers, that we're temple of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to walk in us, amen, and receive us. And in chapter 7, verse 1, and they shouldn't have put the break, chapter break there. God didn't put the chapter break there. Men did. But he says, uh, you know, cleanse yourself of all these, you know, <laughs> of, of sins of the flesh and of the spirit, you know, in the fear of the Lord. So we want to make sure that we are vessels so we can be used by the Lord. Absolute, absolute perfection? No, that's never going to happen, amen. But a heart for Jesus where you sincerely want to be used by him, amen. You're seeking to grow in him, amen. And if you fall short, you, which everybody will inevitably to one degree or another, you cry out to the Lord and say, forgive me, have mercy on me, cleanse me, sanctify me, use me, amen. So, another way, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 1 now, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, 7 and 8, he's still talking to Paul here. Paul is talking to Timothy here. And this is by being a witness, man, not being ashamed of the gospel. For God, Paul says to Timothy, after he tells him to fan the flames of the gift that God's given him, amen. Here's how you do it, Timothy. Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, 
but of power and of love and of discipline. Therefore, do not be what? Ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Testament of our Lord is that he's God of the flesh. Is that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again. Don't be ashamed of the gospel or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering. But join with me in suffering for the gospel, for the gospel according to the power of God. Wow. How do you suffer for the gospel according to the power of God? Well, the power of God comes from who? The Holy Spirit. Amen? So that means, Timothy, I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Yeah, you can end up here too. But I want you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, Timothy. I want you not to be ashamed of the gospel. I don't want you to be fearful of what can happen to you. And I want you to understand, he says, to share in these sufferings so you can experience the power of God. And I'm telling you right now, guys, brothers and sisters, there are, I don't know, countless amount of believers, professing believers through the years, that refuse to be persecuted for Jesus. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, a little bit later, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, and therefore they shrink back, and they don't want to go through suffering, and they don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. What an awesome, radical thing it is when you suffer for Jesus. The Bible says we're supposed to rejoice when we suffer for righteousness' sake, amen, because we have treasure in heaven. But also Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4 that when we suffer for the gospel, the Holy Spirit rests upon us. That's powerful. So I'm encouraging you right now because things can get really ugly real fast in our nation. If the right people get control, and some of them have control right now, but they could push what they want to push, there could be a lot of persecution. I emphasize to you strongly over and over again during COVID that we cannot stop getting together. Amen? And I said we're supposed to obey God over man. Yeah, we obey man if he doesn't contradict God's word. But if they tell us we can't get together anymore, we have to find ways to get together. I'm not talking about irresponsibly, you know. And praise God, we continue to get together one way or another, whether it was in the church parking lot, you know. And we never shut these doors, by the way. When we preached in here, we didn't tell people they had to leave. Some of you know, you came, you know. Or in my backyard we met, or we met in small groups, or some of you guys met over Zoom and what have you. But uh, it's important to get together, amen, and seek the Lord. And I don't, you know, uh, Zoom I don't think is enough ultimately, amen. <laughs> I think you need to make sure you're with people and fellowship with people and encouraging them and loving one another. So it's imperative also that we are witnesses and that we're not ashamed of the gospel. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus, when he said, you'll be, when he said, preach repentance for the remission of sins, that's when he also said in the same verses, you'll be empowered or enabled or endued with power from on high. So when we're witnessing for Jesus and we're like, hey, I'm not getting anything out, out of this except everything because my whole heart's desire is to give glory to God. But from a menial or from a human standpoint, it looks like, why do they do that? Ha, because he redeemed me, because he made me, because he died for me, because he's given us a mission, all these things. But you can't think in terms of material things, things like that. And it's like, well, what are they getting out of it? Man, we're able to participate in his kingdom and serving him. What a privilege that is. I mean, when you use the, the, the apostles themselves called themselves servants of the Lord over and over again, when you look at James 1, Jude 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 1, or just verse 1, as you might want to call it, a Paul serve, And it's like a doulos. Doulos was like, that was like the lowest rung of society. But they rejoiced in it because they weren't just servants. They were slaves of Jesus. Amen? Amen. 
the King of kings, the Lord of lords. What a privilege it is to serve him. But we need to get our brains around this, that we need to not shrink back and just casually just, oh, I'm going to live for pleasure and once in a while I might tell something about Jesus. No, we need to be more intentional about getting the gospel out. And Paul talks about, I, it's heavy what he says here, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join, listen to this, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Isn't that powerful? That's just a trip. It's like, Joe, that doesn't sound like Joel Osteen. That's right. It's because we're reading out of the Bible, okay? We're called to suffer for his glory. And I'm not saying that as one like, oh, Lord, I just want to, you know, be torched for you. No, man. I want whatever his will is, though, because I trust him, amen? If that means that we're beheaded or we're set aflame, whatever it is, amen? amen. Now, uh, we're called to be witnesses, called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? all nations, amen. And I've shared with you numerous times in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right after it says, if anyone be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. It goes on to say right after that, he's given us what? A ministry. Each one in here has a ministry. He's given us a ministry. What? Does anybody remember what that is? Amen, Jim, of reconciliation. Jimmy, you're a minister of the gospel, amen? You're a minister of reconciliation. So you guys have any other ministers in your fellowship? Yeah, every believer is a minister. Now, some are better than others because some are actually doing the ministering, but we're all called to be ministers, amen? You're either doing a good job as a, good, a minister or you're not. Paul, Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men, amen? That's Matthew chapter four, verse 19. He goes on to say in the very next chapter, Matthew five, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world, a town He's talking to his disciples. A town, not just his apostles, disciples. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, says Jesus, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I thought we were supposed to do our good deeds to be seen of men. Yeah, you're not. You're not supposed to do good deeds so you can be seen of men. He's supposed to be good deeds so he could be seen by man. Amen? You give God glory, glory, not yourself. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree, and he that wins souls is wise. Are you a soul winner? Pray, Father, make me a soul winner. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to plant seeds, guys. You just share the gospel with people. Just say, hey, man, you know what it means to be saved? Or, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can break the ice. I, I have a hard time talking. Pray. Paul said, pray for me that God would give me boldness. Remember that? Well, I'm not the best talker. God chose Moses. He couldn't talk. He had a stuttering problem or something. And Moses like, I can't talk, whatever he said. And God said, I'll be with your mouth, Moses. Amen? He wants to be, he'll be with you. Oh, hey, pass out tracks then, man. Keep tracks with you. You know, give them out here and there. It's not that hard. But just make your life count for Jesus in some way. Amen? Make your life count. I'm encouraging you. I love you. I know some people get upset when I talk like this. They never tell me that, but I'm sure they do. <laughs> you know? I just want to encourage you guys, man. To, to, he wants to use you. Amen? You, you, you can be far more effective than you know because the flesh profits nothing, but it's by the power of spirit. Through him, through Christ, we could do all things. Amen? In fact, Peter, you know, I mean, brothers and sisters, he tells us in his word in Colossians 1, 13, 
that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, amen? So if you're, if you're a believer, and most of you are here, hopefully all of you, he's, in, he's translated you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That's heavy. But now that you're part of the kingdom, he wants to use you. You know, you hear people joke sometimes, oh, I don't even want to go to heaven, man. I don't want to sit on a cloud and be a cherub and, and, play, and play music on a harp. It sounds boring. Well, that's, the devil tries to make hell look exciting. Talk about the devil's work, man. He makes heaven look boring. That's not heaven, by the way, okay? And he makes hell, you know, because I show, we show and they sold their souls for rock and roll, the 10-hour version. I show all kinds of different artists talking about hell, how great it's going to be. Satan's such a liar. He's the father of lies. And in heaven, you know, I mean, hey, it might be cool to kick back on a cloud once in a while and play a harp, as long as you don't have that belly anymore, right? So, <laughs> but uh, not all the time, obviously. But you know what? The same people who, who, who joke like that are sitting on their couches eating bonbons, bored to death. You know, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Man, as Christians, we have the most exciting lives you can have. We are ambassadors. The Bible says we're ambassadors for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody walks in, hey, I just became an ambassador for, well, in our fellowship, they said for Biden, you'd be praying for him, you know, <laughs> witnessing to him probably, you know. But what a greater, what, we're not an ambassador for a king. We're ambassador for the king of kings. He's a king, but he's a king of kings, the Lord of lords. What a privilege. Let's make sure. And you know what Peter says about that, about being in the kingdom of God and what you are, your royal priesthood, and what you should be doing with your mouth? Listen to this. What should you be doing with your mouth according to Peter here? 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. So that you, you and me, may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah, you're supposed to be proclaiming and I'm supposed to be proclaiming the excellencies of God, the excellencies of Jesus who's translated us into his kingdom. Amen? And that's one way you stay on fire, praising God, worshiping him, serving him, proclaiming the gospel, staying in his word. And another way that's very, very important is servant fellowship. Servant fellowship. I put these two as one because I was going to put one under the head of being a servant. It's how you, it's how you stay on fire for God. Another way is by staying in fellowship. But I thought about it. I thought, you know what? I want to put this under one heading because I really think it's important that as we get together in fellowship that we come to not just hear the word, amen, and sing praises to God. All of that's important and great. But that we also come to serve one another, amen. We come to serve the Lord. We come to be a blessing to one another. We come and say, Lord, use me to be encouragement to others. Help me encourage other people that may be going through something, amen. Help me to help somebody that might have some kind of need, some kind of financial need or what have you. Or maybe they've been put out of their house and we can pull together and help them in some way, you know. Uh, obviously, if someone's unwilling to work, it says don't let them eat. So we're not talking about people that are parasitical, but people that are sincerely following Jesus that have hardships. We should all, we're family, amen. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. God help us to uh, freely receive, Jesus said, freely give. Jesus also said it's better to give than to receive. So we need to take care of the poor amongst us, amen. The Bible says to do good to all men, but especially to those who are of the household of God. And as we get together with our brothers and sisters in the household of God, it's important to be in fellowship, in fellowship, to be on fire. In fact, Lisa and I were sharing with a brother uh, today, 
just really neat brother, but he's just been so busy lately. He said, man, I'm, I got to get back to Blessed Hope. I've just been so busy and it's been crazy, but I've been longing to get back and so forth. And I have no doubt he's sincere in what he's saying. But I told him, I go, you know about that? Because he talked about how his prayer life's been struggling a bit and his intentions are good. He said, but I'm just struggling right now. I go, yeah, that's what happens, man, when you get out of fellowship because I go, you look at a, a fire, right? You look at the coals in the fire, you put that one coal aside from the rest of the fire, what happens to that coal? You set it aside from all the other coals that are burning, what happens to it? It cools off, man. It's not very hot anymore, and eventually it goes out. And I go, we need to be in fellowship, man. He said, yeah, I totally know, you know. And we need to encourage each other to be in fellowship and to be servants of, of the Lord. Because it's interesting that Paul says again to Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. Paul didn't, or Paul did, Timothy was not given a gift by impartation by the Holy Spirit through Paul to sit on his rear end. It was for the mutual edification of other brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? That's how God's gifted us, so we could be a blessing to one another. Amen? And that's why it's important that Paul says to them, now it's interesting, go down a little further now, 2 Timothy 1, verses 15 through 17, Paul says, you are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Now Paul's in prison, in chains, he says in this letter, ready to die, ready to be beheaded, right? And he says, and I feel so, my heart just breaks when I think of Paul sometimes, when I read through his letters. Poor guy, man. He says, you are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesimus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. So he's been forsaken by so many people, but God bless, have mercy on the house of Onesimus, his home, him and his household, because he often refreshed me. And that's what fellowship is, man. It's like a, a, a drink of cold water when you're, you're, you're dying of dehydration, you know? And that water continues to flow. And he says, he says, he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day in the Lord's return. And you know very well that, well, well what services he rendered at Ephesus. This guy was a servant of the Lord. He was reaching out to the church. He was building them up. He was encouraging brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we all not, ought to be doing. Amen? And he was forsaken, Paul was at one point, by Mark as well right? And others. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, he says, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. At my first defense, no one supported me. He deserted me, he says, having loved this present world. Went back to the world, right? At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me, says Paul. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me, the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Wow. Which might go well with uh, Paul saying he fought wild beasts at Ephesus in 1 Corinthians 15. But you know what Paul says of Timothy? In Philippians 2, 20 through 22, Paul says, I have, not, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Wow. For they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. Wow. So Paul loves Timothy, man, because Timothy's concerned about the church. He's concerned about the brothers and sisters of Christ. 
He's not concerned about living for himself and doing his own thing. He has a real interest in the brothers and sisters in the fellowship and living for the Lord. In fact, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, just before that, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then what does Paul say after that? Let this mind be in you, which was also where, who? In Christ Jesus. Although he's in the very form of God, very nature of God, and exists in the very nature of God, he considered equality with God something to be held on to, but he let go. He became a servant. Died on the cross for us. Amen. The ultimate servant. And in Acts 2.42, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is fellowship, man. I love Acts 2.42, man, because it sums up what a lot of the church was doing. 3,000 people just got saved. They're all getting together with those who had already been saved. And it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Wow. Well, this message is going to definitely have a part two. Is that okay to have a part two of this? Because we all want to be on fire for the Lord. Amen. Okay. In fact, I shouldn't have cut them right there because... I'm at Acts 2.42, and I have a lot more I want to say, but it's about what I just said again. So uh, I knew I had 20 pages. I thought, Lord, you know, I'm either going to zoom through it, or I'm going to talk about the verses instead of just read it all, you know, or quote it all. And I didn't think I'd get through it, but it's okay. Next week, we'll have part two of staying on fire for Jesus. Amen? amen. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left, though, and I don't want anybody to leave yet. Just kidding, bro. I'm teasing you, man. <laughs> I'm playing with you. He's with another brother here anyway. Even if he's leaving, it's cool. No, you don't have to run, bro. Praise God. I know what it's like. You ever have the runs? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I couldn't hold that. Uh, awesome, brother. So uh, out of the different things we talked about that you felt that challenged you, convicted you, encouraged you with the last couple minutes that we have, what spoke to your heart that you think, hey, I can implement this in my life to be more on fire for Jesus? Let's all just be, let's edify one another. Let's encourage one another. Amen. So, uh, Gerald. For those listening by live stream, he's saying he just wants to make sure he's a wit witnesses more. <laughs> he's talking about judgment on the world or judgment on you guys? Judgment in general, okay. Yeah, the judgment's coming, amen. We need to get people, get to them. And praise the Lord, you know, you're obviously a witness because look at what your son's saying. You know, that's because you shine the light. Both you and your wife shine the light beautifully, but we can always do more, so we, and myself as well. So it's like, Lord, help us to do more. And that's, and that's good because we need to pray to that end. And I love to pray for divine, divine appointments because I don't think I've ever prayed for divine appointments earnestly and not seen them happen, you know? And sometimes I'm so busy with appointments God already has for me, I don't pray that prayer because I just got to get done what he's given me, you know? But uh, it's just, but I always pray for his will, so that's great. Uh, amen, that's, that's praise the Lord, Gerald. You're a beautiful witness. Keep shining the light, man. Uh, another way you were encouraged. Praying for the president. Praying for the president. Amen. How many were challenged by that? You know, I need to do that more as well. That's. Yeah. Yep. 
Amen, Jim. That's good. And, and praise God, you're responding to the word, you know. Because I went through the same thing when Clinton was president. Same deal that you're talking about. It's like, Lord, but I, we, you pray for him. I mean, what if we had President Nero? I mean, they had Emperor Nero, who is worse than Clinton and worse than Biden. Uh, well, we'll see what Biden does <laughs> in the future. But, uh, and those guys are really bad, you know. So uh, Paul said, pray for him, you know. We need to pray for him. In fact, they need prayer more than anybody pretty much. Amen. One more thing. Uh, well, two. Gerald, uh, Greg? And then Renal, you'll be next. Having a genuine love for the lost. You know what, bro? Say it again. You know they're what? Yeah. He's saying he wants to pray more of a love for the lost because he knows they're on the hell. I'm going to tell people so they can stay engaged. Go on, bro. Yeah, amen, absolutely. And you know what helps me with that personally, Greg? Because I go through that sometimes too. I remember one time, you know, and it's a long story, but in the short of it, there was a really wicked guy spitting at my wife's feet while we were street witnessing on the streets. And not on her feet, but before her feet. And I wanted to go pound him. I used to be a brawler. And he, he, weighed, like a, he weighed like 110 soaking wet, okay? And I was a little, he was like a little satanic imp jumping around. I mean, he was, it was, we were tripping out. Like, and he's, hail Satan, all that stuff, you know. A lot of Satanists back then that were more overt because it was the 80s or early 90s. And, uh, and I remembered this scripture, which I'm going to read right now. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to, to do every good work, deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love of mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we recognize, man, he didn't save us because we're good. He saved us and we deserve damnation. So we need to recognize that's, that's us, you know. And I was really bad. I was like that guy. I wasn't spitting at ladies' feet, but I was like, you know, hailing Satan myself, not even knowing and believing Satan existed at the time. And uh, so I remember that verse. And, and then I was like, what do I do, Lord? And I was, you know, and now all of a sudden, it was a trip because a black brother was coming down the street with a bunch of other black brothers. He was a giant dude, like my size. And he had a big boon box. It was in those days. My wife was there. And he said, what did you say about my Jesus? And that little guy took off and all those dudes took off after him. And we just lost sight of him. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy on that guy. You know, you know. So anyway, uh, that was just a trip. So I wasn't advocating what he was doing, but he just heard somebody cursing Jesus. And he didn't know Titus 3, 3 1 through 5 yet that I just read to you probably. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Renal, one more guy. Yeah. Amen, bro. Amen, bro. 
Mernal was talking about being prepared for persecution and how God's been convicting him on that and about Silas that we brought up. And, and Mernal said something really powerful. He said, uh, you know, they weren't worried about everything. Like the guy might have thought, oh, what about everything else? Because God was everything to them. And that's the key is making sure he's your all in all. Amen. He's the one that, that, that's first in your life. And, and praise God, it's great to get together the first or the midweek study. Amen. And I get pumped up at Jesus, get excited. Amen. Uh, tomorrow, what time? Six or five forty-five. Amen. And uh, we'll 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 see you there, hopefully. And uh, hopefully, you'll just uh, be really encouraged. Hey, you guys, you know what most people are watching today, movie-wise? These movies that we're talking about, Marvel tomorrow in DC. And that's and I'm very much into apologetics. And as a fellowship, we are. And we're with apologetics where the rubber meets the road to urban apologetics, street apologetics, where people live, amen? And this gives you a way to share with people that don't know Jesus, to show them that that's a spiritual war and who he is. So it's a great way to learn to witness to people, uh, also to be concerned about those who are being lost in what's become idolatry in many ways. So I encourage you to be there. Uh, Doug's in the back there, and just let him know that you're gonna be there. And he, there's, more, there's more room, Doug? 20 seats left, so tell Doug you're gonna be there, you know? Love you guys, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for all of